0: hi everyone i am camille miller the founder and executive director of the natural life business partnership a global network for soul-centered entrepreneurs i welcome you today to our six-figure soul summit doing good and making money we highlight soul-centered entrepreneurs living authentically and pricing their product and service right so they can live the life that they love and deserve today we are here with jennifer urizio our founder and spiritual director of soul language Um, I originally had you on I asked you to be a part of this summit because I love the way that not only you created the whole soul language idea but now you also teach practitioners your magic so they can provide it to other people all over the world and I love that way that you um, grew your business so we're just going to move into questions um tell us a little bit about um yourself your journey a little bit before you created soul language what popped into your mind to create it and then we'll move on from there does that sound good
1: that sounds great and thank you so much for having me on um you know I started off as a photographer. I wanted to be creative and, you know, coming from a small town and having limited knowledge of what that is in the world. I thought, okay, so I could be that. And I, you know, was a fairly good photographer, got out of school and realized, oh, wow, I like to eat and I didn't want to be that starving artist. And so I got a job in in marketing and PR and that led to a, a 12 something year, career, or longer, Mm -hmm. actually longer, Um, in marketing and PR, and I was the person that you would call to get your client on national TV, and I was really good at it. The media loved me, but the clients hated me because I would tell them their truth. And I knew that there was something <laughs> <that> I did <laughs> not to talk to clients. I knew that there was something bigger inside of me. I just didn't know how to express it. And I always felt a little out of place. I was great at managing managing down, horrible at managing up. Again, because I would tell people the truth. And um, I was interacting with a client who really and I did not get along. And we went all out to this dinner and they had a friend along who did something called hand analysis. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I know I need to have it. And she came over to my house and she did her thing. And she's like, you know, your purpose is to be a powerful healer and teacher of service in the spotlight. And I went, yeah, get that. But what the heck do I do with that? And that started out my journey. And I went to go speak at a conference that that woman was holding. And I got off the platform and people were lined up to talk to, talk to me. And I was yeah. like, what's going on? They're like, can you tell me this? And do you know that? And can I learn this from you? And I was like, okay, yeah, I can do all of that. I don't know how I know that, but I do. And that started this journey of really going within. And that started the journey of understanding what soul language was. Because at that conference, I met someone who went, we're gonna be friends, and I went, totally. And then the inside voice was like, why her? And not that other woman across the way, but I don't really care if I ever see her again, what is that? What I heard was soul language. And I started to create this paradigm to put tangibility to soul. So people can understand their essential nature and connect with it and really receive guidance. So humans can align their humanness with that soul so their life can be without struggle or less struggle yes. and before long I had uh, this paradigm of the three core energies we call those languages of your soul your mission how you feel that mission and then your soulful personality so I can give a one-liner to every soul on this planet and every business soul because every business has a soul has an energy we can define Yep. Yeah. And so I like to say it was a straight line, but it was a curvy line with a lot of bumps (laughs) and along the way, I kept trying to convince the gurus that they needed soul language because I could see where they were out of alignment with their voice and their vision, even though they had tons of people. I was like, ah, but you're in pain and they weren't my people. You know, but I found my people who are called spiritual renegades. They're people who aren't going to do their spirituality like anyone else does it. They're soul, heartfelt entrepreneurs. They want to be of service. They want to receive from that service. And they have a big mission. They want to create a sustainable legacy. They want to have an impact on the world. And that means that they have to go deeper. They have to be more connected. And so that's a very long story about how I got here.
0: Yeah, I always say you have to do the inner work before you can do the outer work. Yep. Right? It, yep. It, oh. you know,
1: everything is a reflection of how you feel and what you believe in yeah. here. And, you know, I, I think the most struggle that soul heartfelt entrepreneurs have is that they, they do a lot of comparison, right? So they look around okay. and they go, but I can feel that that person isn't really what I call in integrity, but they have, they seem to have everything they want. And I'm like, yeah, because they believe it. You know, the University Bob God Cupcake, Beyonce, which is my new favorite one, that a client said, um, isn't doesn't have a naughty or nice list. It, it doesn't have the capacity to say, oh, they're not in alignment. They're not, you know, a good person or they're not, uh, you know, really in integrity so they don't get what they want. No, it's based on how firmly you believe it it's based on noise pollution if you want to get really honest you know that continuous vibration that you put out into
0: the universe is what the universe sends back absolutely so in the in the beginning as you started this your journey and you felt the soul language and you put that together so you had a private practice it was just you Yeah. And I, yeah, it was just me. And you you were out looking for clients and attracting things to you. Um, so one of the, the big reasons for the summit is a lot of people are there at that place, and they just don't feel right. There's a snagging feeling that they can't charge for this service. Did you ever have that? Um, yes and no.
1: So in, in PR, I was the money girl as well. So I, worked with my best friend and we there's this memory that i have of going to a prospective client and pitching them a proposal and i said the largest figure that could come out of my mouth and the rule was you don't talk until
0: right clear yeah
1: so we're in the elevator and she looks at me and i go so we get out of the elevator we're in the car she's like oh my god they just signed blah 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 and I was like, yeah. And she's like, I can't believe you said that big of a figure. And I went, you're worth it, right? And I think that people in corporate America are used to pitching something else yeah. rather than themselves. So when I came out, yeah, there was a bit of adjustment of, uh, of saying, okay, so it's this. But what I started to realize is that you know, money doesn't have free will. It's a resource of divinity. And it's really based on what I believe. Right. And so I also firmly understand that no one is the source for me. They're just a resource. And so if it's not this source, this resource, another resource will come along. And when I let go of the pressure and I let go of trying to prove my worth, um, I naturally tuned in and set a figure that was in agreement with my higher self, my physical self, and that person. I think there's a lot of metaphysical mumbo jumbo out in the coaching world about claiming your worth through your prices. Mm -hmm. That you have to claim this in order to, to, to show your value and your worth. That philosophy creates a lot of disharmony in people. Agreed. Because what it's saying is, You have to do this in order to prove that. And it's still proving. So when you really know that you're whole and complete and you come from, I knew I was whole and complete. What would I charge? A figure pops in your head and then you keep increasing that. And it's really about creating freedom in your life. So, you know, are, is your pricing matching your freedom? and also about really i think people of service tend to over service anyway so i always go okay let's do the scotty method which is from star trek and go okay you know we're gonna say it's gonna take us this right so everyone's prepared but we're gonna do this and so there's an adjustment there and allowing for yourself i always say to clients okay so we know you're an over-servicer, so before you determine your price, whatever price you feel in your head, I want you to up it $100. And they're like, why? Because you're going to over-service anyway. And it, it also allows you to, in creating accurate prices for you, it allows you to not create codependent relationships. And it allows you not to attract victims. And Jody Garrity, uh, who's a friend of mine, said something last week that I was like, "She's like, we're only one client away from closing our doors." And I'm like, "What?" And what she meant by that, which is very smart, is that that client that makes you not want to get out of bed in the morning will make you shut down your business because you won't want to work. You won't oh, I love that. Those. I love it too.
0: I think so it's a- true very powerful you look at statement. it that way right right, right. it's a very <laughs>
1: powerful statement. If you don't love it right so you know nobody should make you cry in your business and you shouldn't feel resentment yeah. for over servicing and undercharging yeah. so it's an internal job yeah and whatever you have to do to come into alignment that's your top priority as an entrepreneur or you're going to be constantly
0: in that struggle
1: of trying to keep yourself above water.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I love that whole thought behind it. And, and and it's that constant I think it's it's when that nagging feeling comes to you, that's when you raise your prices. Yeah. Right? There was a there was a point in my own community that I just I just doubled them one day. I love <laughs> and and as as it happened, and I'm sure you went through this too, there's always that oh my god until the first person bought, right? Every time yeah, it increased yeah. until that first person bought, and then I went, I really am worth it. Yeah, like and I,
1: you know, I always set the intention that um, I I I do discovery sessions. I don't really do them anymore, but where I identify one person's soul languages and then there's the sales conversation. I now do things a little differently, but. I, you know, the easiest thing to do is, would you like to hear how I can be of service to you? Would you like to hear how I could support you? And if that person says yes, you move on. If it says no, the conversation's ended. But what I always set the intention for in any conversation is for that person to ask, like, how can I work with you? And when I know that they ask that, that's my ideal client. And because I'm so strong in that, we'll yeah. go, how can I work with you? And it happens in really weird ways. It happens in, you know, virtual coffees. It happens, you know, meeting someone at a party. Not that I go to parties anymore, but uh, one day. Um, but, you know, it happens in that because my belief system is so strong that I roll out that energetic red carpet and
0: people walk down it. Yeah. Can you share a moment when you didn't have it all in alignment when you had those because yeah. we all have them. So I just want people to say, not, we all have them right moments when you just were like, should I just close my doors?
1: Yeah, and it, it will am, happen I, am I writing
0: the right path? Am I yeah. making it?
1: Yeah. yeah. And it will happen again. So don't, don't think that it won't happen. Again, yeah.
0: Right? Like, <laughs> At every level too.
1: Yeah. problems For me, I think it often happens when I'm really over servicing. Right? Oh. When I'm, not taking care of myself when I'm putting everyone first Um, you know I'm action-oriented so you know I I get an email or I get a text right so I've had to stop that I've had to like let people know you know I'm not gonna
0: respond right away boundaries well
1: it was not that boundary wasn't them it was me because I like everything off my plate right but Uh everything is never gonna be off your plate so I think one of the major times when i was like screw it i'm done was it was just before my first book was published the publisher was having some internal and legal issues not of her making um and the legal issue there was a thought that my book that she wasn't going to be able to publish my book because from the, the person that was going to be, was suing her was going to also then claim that they earned or that they had a stake in my work.
0: Ooh, okay. And she
1: wasn't going to let that happen. Okay. And so she's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to publish a book. And it took us a year to edit the book. And we were like, she was like ready to hit that, that print button. And I spent three days in bed. And everyone couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of bed. They're like, come on, it's okay. And I'm like, I spent a year of my life editing the book, not writing it, editing the book. And it was a moment of, I'm just going to, what am I, what am I doing? Like, how could the universe, God treat, like, how could it do that to me? And I was ready to close the door. I was ready to stop it. And in those times, I take a siesta. In those times, I do something totally different. And I just paused at that time. And I I called my best friend and I said, I can't work in my business. So I know that you need help managing and setting up interviews for your clients. Can I do that for, for just a week? She's like, of course.
0: And I did.
1: And it allowed me just to shift things just so slightly that I could come back and look at it with fresh eyes. And ever so often I'm like, okay, so today I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to, you know, bake bread or, you know, go to the beach. Or I think constantly we need that pause, that vacation from our business. So we're not consumed by it. And I think, you know, so often heart centered entrepreneurs think that they are their business. But I'm here to tell you you're not. And when you stop thinking of it as you are your business, it becomes a different relationship and it becomes so less attachment Mm -hmm. and it allows you to see things in a particular new way that allows you to scale it in a bigger way or let something go. That's not working. So, did I answer your question?
0: Yeah, and it, and, it, and you're going to lead right into the next one, too, because I feel um, part of being soul-centered, part of my spirituality is allowing, right? And how you're saying, I think that piece of it allowed me to scale, and when I took that pause and stepped back, and not be attached to the outcome of every conversation and everything that crosses my <clears> deck, <throat> right? And just when I allowed the community to grow to who they are today, that's when things started to come to me, right? <coughs> so that's, me. that's the beauty. I think that's, I think that's also the common thread with soul-centered entrepreneurs, is kind of stepping about, believing yeah. in abundance, allowing. I love how you said, you know, setting your intentions. Yeah,
1: I think you have to receive more than you give. And, yeah. and that's a crazy comment, right? Because, you know, we're so service-based. And yet, you, if you really want to create a sustainable legacy, and, and that's a 100-year movement, let's be really clear, that is going to go way beyond you. Yeah. Then it's not about you, yeah. right? You need a lot of cogs and a lot of people turning those w- wheels. You need a lot of seed spreaders. And you need people to continue the work beyond you and the moment that i accepted that i didn't have to do this alone nor should i nor could i um people would go okay so i want to do what you do and i go well i can teach you soul language but you're never going to do it the way i do it because you're you so let's find your thread of doing it um and that means that each soul language practitioner. Uh, is uniquely utilizing the paradigm for in their own sacred purpose. And that's powerful. And that means they're bringing new things into the paradigm. So language is consciousness. It evolves. It's not stagnant. And so the definitions change as more people add to that. And that's a powerful thing, right? Something that's going to last over 100 years can't be stagnant. It has to have a life force it has to be flexible it has to grow it has to adapt and i think the in the times that we're in you know being able to adapt not pivot please everyone (laughs) um being able to adapt is key yeah because there's a lot to adapt to and i think one of my great strengths um and one of my faults is that I can adapt if I allow myself because I, I can be rigid. That's but true. if I, if I, if I allow myself, I'm very adaptable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. I always say I, I'm, I'm a recovering control addict, right? Cause I used to have to control every piece of it and it's so much easier just allowing. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I want to also go into, um, you started teaching other people, your practice and i think that's a huge part of scaling businesses where people are always like well if i teach someone else what i know then then i lose it right but can you talk a little bit about that and that driving factor because that's what made you grow that's what made your business where it is yeah I, that decision behind that i i received guidance from divinity
1: that said you know so language is a tool that can be and should be in as many hands as it could possibly be in. And I was like, well, I can't identify all those people, right? And then what I heard was, you know, people will call, people will come and ask to be part of this. And it was kind of a hard and easy decision all at the same time. The hard was, well, okay, how are we going to keep it, you know, in... In integrity. That was the yeah. hard part for me. Mm-hmm. The The easy part was, oh, teaching it is fine. The easy part for me was really having such a firm understanding of that there's not lack, that that there's enough pie to go around for everyone, that it was something that was easy to let go of. The Also, the part that was pretty easy was The next level of inviting practitioners in and more practitioners in is there were parts in teaching soul language that I hated. Okay. And I was like, if I have to do this anymore, I'm going to scream. And which is really teaching about, and because we do it all through energetics, teaching about the 107 core energies of soul. I'm like, okay, so we're on tone 10. There's 55, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I, I was like, it was like insurance forms. So I thought, okay, so how are we gonna scale this? Oh, ask the practitioners if they wanna teach those parts, certify them in that, cause they love to do that. Yeah. And that was amazing because then that allowed other people to call in their own practitioners to build their businesses. And to build soul language and to do the parts that I love. Yeah. And to feel joy in it. Right. And so, you know, then there's, you know, letting go of control of taking care of the everyday stuff. Right. So now. My assistant does some of that. Like, I don't send out the welcome letters to everyone anymore. Why should I? Right? I hate, like, really understanding those parts of the business that you really feel uh, uh, such a constriction about. And calling in people who love to do that kind of stuff is key to scaling your business. And another thing that's really key to scaling your business is finding the best
0: accountant that you can. (laughs) i am totally serious. So, i always ask everyone who was their first hire for me it was financial i had someone financial from the day i opened because it's just not my thing not so, only I, that right I, I don't there's just, have their eyes
1: they're just so much yeah. that a really good financial person can tell you about and support you and do for you Absolutely. That sole entrepreneurs unless they're that that person don't do. Yeah. And so you know, why would you keep your own books because
0: you can. Because you really can. Yeah. You, you can. And and it's good to have a, another person. You should have someone else keeping you in check. That's, exactly. Yeah. That's and, why you're in business.
1: Right. And looking at, you know, where your money's going, what you're spending it on, when you can invest in marketing. All of that is key, Perfect. you know, and not fooling yourself that you think you can do it, or there's, you know, every time we say we don't have the money for that, then we don't have the money, right? If you put, if you say this is going to happen, the money will show up. Um, it's just a matter of really trust and focus and continue to practice that ongoing faith of that welcoming in that abundance.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, I love that you talked about one, the abundance, but two, when you're trying to scale a business, give away the stuff you don't like to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing you give it away. Even if it's just like you said, your welcome letter, or I always say automate and give away. Like, yeah. even if it's you're paying someone two hours a week to start, like something, start getting it. I always say the monkey off your bat, start, start yeah. getting it off, getting off. All right. So what's next for you? Lots of stuff. I you know,
1: um, I'm sure that, you know, back in the back of my head somewhere there's another book. Uh I've, you know, I've been dabbling in writing a nonfiction book. I've been dabbling in, in taking that fiction book that's that's kind of somewhere in my computer files and cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done this whole new kind of philosophy called the business of soul, which are four principles of creating conscious business. So, I've been working steadily in letting people understand that and providing them with the principles and going, Here it is. If you have questions, let me know. And then creating pro- programs around that. I really want people to start operating consciously with business. Um, so, those are a couple things. And then I don't know, you know, I think that every day is a new day of creation and discovery and since I'm content driven um I don't know what I'll create tomorrow. I th- and I think about, you know, that also it's about creating structure that is adds more of a quietness in a good way to life. Mm-hmm. You know, adding more space to walk the dog. Yeah. Um and
0: playing more. I love it, I love it. Thank you guys, thank you Jennifer for being a part of our summit. I'm really excited about this. You are one of our very first speakers, so very excited about that. Um, For all the people listening, if you are a soul-centered entrepreneur, I really encourage you to continue listening to the summit and all the speakers that are coming up. Uh, I don't actually know where Jennifer's going to end up in our lineup, but I know that you are part of our first summit, so I'm very excited to have everyone up here and sharing their stories about how their purpose got in line with their money flow, and they built a really scalable business out of it. And I thank you, Jennifer, for being a part of our summit today and everything. Uh, Just want to say goodbye, so say goodbye. (laughs) Bye, everyone.